Castaway Diva is the best K-drama on air right now, and I'm hoping in this podcast episode I can convince you to give this show a shot. Hi, I'm Monique. I'm the host of Off by Purple Heart podcast where I talk to you about K-dramas, C-dramas, BTS, and whatever else I want to talk about. And I have to get into Castaway Diva. Before I really launch into this episode, I have to say that there is going to be very strong trigger warning and content warnings for this show. If you have not checked this show out yet, I'm going to be giving it a huge ringing endorsement, but just look up content warnings first because this show, despite the way it was initially advertised where it comes off really cutesy and it's just going to be a musical rom-com, it's actually heavily dives into domestic violence. And I mean heavily dives into domestic violence. I've watched about eight episodes of this show thus far. I'm probably going to focus my gaze on the first three episodes just to kind of set the stage for what the show is about. But if you're someone or know of someone that has dealt with domestic violence, I would tread very lightly with this show. I, I would absolutely look into detailed spoilers because I can tell you from the first two episodes it's extremely graphic. It's good storytelling. I don't think that it was exploitative in any way. I don't think the intent of the writers was to kind of bait and switch the audience. I just think it was a case of maybe the advertising not actually quite matching what this show is about. So we meet two main characters, which is Kiho and Mocha, and Mocha in particular is the title character, the castaway diva herself, and we first see them in high school, and they both have very uh, different personalities. When we meet Mocha, she is very bubbly, she's very boisterous, she's got um, a gorgeous voice, and she just seems to be on cloud nine all the time in school. We also meet Kiho, who is a lot more studious, uh, keeps to himself a lot more, seems to be very entrepreneurial in the sense that he's kind of always hustling for money. He's a great student, but he's always hustling for money. He's always charging for little things at school, and he kind of gets a reputation for that. And the two of them clash in the beginning stages of this show. But one faded day, uh, Mocha actually enters a contest, a radio contest, in order to be able to speak to one of her idols on air. And she's searching for a phone because her phone battery from her cell phone just happened to die. And she's looking for a phone battery so that she can actually call into the radio show and get this opportunity. And it turns out the only person that can help her out is of course, Kiho. So he does help her out begrudgingly. And she gets on air with this famous pop star at the time, Yoon Ranju. And it's like a dream come true for her. And that's when the show kind of catapults into what it's really about. So this call gets cut short by Kiho. And they kind of come to blows a little bit more. But they eventually come to common ground. And he ends up starting to help her in making a video 
a project that is to be entered into an additional contest to actually have an opportunity to audition for Yoon Ranju and be able to be a big global pop star, which is Mocha's big dream. And Kiho does help her in this, but unfortunately things does not come to pass and we learned through the first episode that despite her sunny demeanor, Mocha is going through extreme domestic violence with her father. The mother is not in the picture and he is extremely brutal to her. So she has a very tightly put on mask that despite this bubbly demeanor that she has, she has been verbally and physically abused. And we also learn that Kiho as well is dealing with his own nightmare in his own home and that his father, who is a police officer, which will become relevant as the story progresses, is also extremely violent and abusive. Actually, one of the earlier scenes in this show showcases him physically throwing like Kiho down and kicking him multiple times in the ribs screaming at him like in incandescent rage and it's actually really triggering and frightening as a viewer to watch i honestly didn't anticipate that the show would get that dark that quickly yet it's very captivating to watch because the two actors they picked to play the younger versions of kiho and mocha are phenomenal i i can't stress enough how good they are and i hope that they are properly rewarded around award season time because they themselves have done like a master class in acting in this show. In any case, there is a contest where Mocha wants to enter and this would be her dream because if she could become a pop star, not only could she like sing alongside with Yoon Ranju, but she'd be able to get away from her father from Chosam Island and actually have peace. But she doesn't end up getting to go to this contest and there's a particular night that gets very, very violent. And it has a lot of repercussions on Mocha's mental health. And in the end, she decides not to go through with the contest. And with all her courage, she ends up calling up the cops hoping to put an end to this violence and who do you think would show up to the scene and it turns out it is Kiho's father who is part of the uh, the precinct and does one of the most horrifying things which is not only side with her father saying that you know this is just a teen acting out and being rebellious but that he's under great pressure and that he completely empathizes with him because he has his own teen son that he has to discipline. And he forces Mocha to apologize to her father, the abuser, and hug him while she's trembling in fear and you can visibly see bruising all up and down her forearms. And. Kiho just happens to overlook this because it's happening in a really public area and he devises a plan that the two of them are going to run away. That they're going to run away, they're going to get on a boat on, and get away from Chosum Island, move to Seoul, and then she can then have her dreams come true. They concoct this plan, she runs away from home, he has a lot of money saved up 
which is where the whole entrepreneur angle came in. The reason why he was so insistent on making money during school is because he has like a runaway fund to get away from his father. They get on the run and you as a viewer almost feel that gripping tension on your heart because you know something is going to happen that is going to derail the plans. And inevitably something does. They get on this boat and Mocha's father does find out about this. And probably one of the most terrifying sequences I think I've seen in a K-drama this year happens. And it just becomes this ball of tension where you hope that she can escape. Kiho and her are on a boat. They're almost ready to go. And he, out of the corner of his eyes, sees that her father has gone to the pair and is looking for her and is getting more and more belligerent. So he basically gives up and to protect Mocha gets off the boat and basically tries to stop his father from being able to capture his daughter. They get into an extremely physical fight and he, the father, is overpowering Kiho, just pummeling into him. Like it's extremely graphic. I, I can't stress that enough. Extremely graphic how he's just wailing on this little boy and Ki and Kiho did it in a way so that Mocha couldn't see what's going on and she's crying and she's confused because she thought they were gonna run away together and she's heartbroken but also deeply touched by this boy that she once didn't get along with essentially doing so much to help and protect her and finding out that he had actually left her all of his money, all of his savings that he was using for his runaway fund to help her get away from her father. And unfortunately, the father ends up basically being so violent towards Kiho that he passes out. The father gets onto the boat and it's almost like a horror film where Mocha's not paying attention and she sees the shadow of like the father just looming over her and she looks up and it's probably one of the most frightening jump scares. And I gotta say the actor who plays her father was really good because he was legitimately terrifying to me. And it just becomes this incredibly tense scene. And in the end, she jumps off the boat, goes right into the sea. The father follows her into the sea and through a wicked storm, through wicked tidal waves, she ends up crashed on an island and then she looks over and her father is dead on shore along with her. And then it goes into the future, 15 years later. This young girl has survived on an island entirely by herself. And that is how the show kicks off. All of that is in episode one. And I gotta tell you, it's it, it's breathtaking. And it just gets that much deeper. The second episode goes more into how she was able to survive for 15 years. How she lost, sometimes touch with her sanity for those 15 years. And we also get to see her eventual rescue off the island. And two men in particular, 
with a search team who just happened to be on the island. And mind you, there's hundreds of islands that they could have uh, been on, but she happened just to be on this island that this search team is on. And these two men, one man in particular, had a drone that was kind of canvassing the island. And she happens to get run into this drone. And she's like, what the hell is this, right? And it leads her to one of these men. And she's able to be rescued. And one man in particular has a really weird disposition. There's something very familiar about him. And the show doesn't come out and say it at that point. But you as an audience are led to believe that one of these men that discovered her is probably the adult version of Kehoe. And the show just continues on from there. So everything that I've just described is extraordinarily heavy. And that is the central plot for at least the eight episodes that I've watched. Just detailing the domestic violence that both these characters have had to deal with and the ripple effect that it's had on their lives. And in addition to that, there's a more lighter subplot that has its own heaviness but nowhere close to the threshold of dealing with extremely graphic domestic violence. We have Yoon Ranju, who is this incredible pop star that Mocha has fallen in love with, who has followed for the entirety of her life, and is kind of the catalyst for the story in general. And Ran Yoon Ranju, unfortunately, is no longer in her heyday. In present day, she's in her 40s, and her career has suffered a lot of setbacks. Back when Mocha was a teen, she was like the K-pop queen. Like she was a superstar, hits across the board. And now in her 40s, her career is nowhere where it was. And we're also told that she has a lot of nodules that are on her vocal cords, which obviously greatly impact how she's able to sing. And she's basically had a falling out with public eye and we learn through flashbacks that in her heyday she switched record companies from the initial record company where she was discovered and was able to blow up to superstardom. She ends her contract with them and ends up signing with her then manager slash friend slash maybe love interest in the past's new record label. And that turned out to be probably one of the worst career mistakes that she could have done. And in present day, she's no longer selling and he has since taken over this company that's brand new that was started with the two of them, with her star power, was able to put in the public sphere, but through her career falling off and this manager securing other acts, one K-pop star in particular, um, he ends up getting a lot more power and control and essentially is quietly shoving Yoon Ranju out. So there's a stipulation in her contract that because the, comp the new company was essentially started with the two of them, in order for her to regain 50% shares of the company, she would have to sell 20 million records, which is going to be extremely hard for her to do because she's no longer singing live because she has social anxiety, uh, she's performance anxiety and she has these nodules on the vocal cords 
and she's had falling out with the public eye and she's no longer culturally relevant, that would be extremely hard to do. And it looks like his plan, President Lee, his plan is to completely shove her out so that he has complete 100% control of this record company. Which is then how Mocha enters the picture because once Mocha is rescued off the island from those two men, her mission is then to rejoin Yun Ranju and bring her back to relevancy and to get her own singing career up and thriving. And the show in the next few episodes finds a way to link them together and they start actually performing with one another on um, music shows but Ranju is not using her voice she's actually using Mocha's voice because Mocha sounds almost identical to her in her heyday like hitting the high notes all that good stuff just like a prodigy of a talent and it just creates this other really messy tangled web so it's its own storyline in itself about you know coming to terms with um, who you are as a person you know following your dreams uh, dealing with aging out of certain concepts ageism and sexism and just how seedy the music industry is and how exploitative and manipulative it is and the funny thing is, this is supposed to be like the lighter reprieve in the show <laughs> to deal with, you know, the super violence of the main story arc, which is heavily about survivors of domestic violence. The show is phenomenal. I have given you a lot if you haven't watched it yet. There are a lot of spoilers, but believe you me, I haven't even scratched the full surface of what this show is. There's going to be 12 episodes. I'm at episode 8. I believe the 11th episode has just aired today as I am filming this. It's like December 2nd. So uh, I'm posting this the same day as I'm filming it. And I'm telling you, it is worth the watch. I heed, I heed you though, heed my warnings. D domestic violence, it is very graphic. It can potentially be very triggering. So absolutely be cautious you know keep your mental health in check and absolutely protect your own peace if it will potentially trigger you then it's not worth the investment in the show but if you can stomach it i'm telling you it's probably the best cage i'm out there right now along with my dearest which i have made a previous podcast episode about and i probably will be doing a follow-up episode once i watch the remaining episodes of part two but i'm telling you castaway diva shocked the heck out of me i genuinely did not expect the show to be as gorgeous as it is not to mention that the main actress park and bin who i believe was extraordinary attorney Wu, is doing a phenomenal job i liked extraordinary Attorney Wu a lot and I really like what she's doing here as well. This show is like a huge surprise hit for me. I know I hear a lot more people talking about it as a late but I don't know if it's gotten enough praise for what it's doing and how it's handling domestic violence. Not to mention the actor that plays Kiho's father who coincidentally enough is also in another K-drama airing concurrently with this one uh, Strong Girl Namsoon and Strong Girl Namsoon is like 
in another galaxy away from this show. I can't even begin to tell you how that show is nothing like I wanted it to be. Huge disappointment. But his character is so light and fluffy and he almost becomes unrecognizable in this role. So that actor has extraordinary range because he's absolutely terrifying. The two fathers in the show that are wielding the violence both play really comedic roles for the most part and for the both of them to turn in the performances that they did is just phenomenal. Like I actually felt goosebumps. Like I actually almost had to hold my breath for some um, scenes because it's so visceral. It's so terrifying. And the fear is real. To me there's nothing scarier than actually watching the cruelty that human beings can wield and especially in the household like some of the most dangerous people that you can encounter are the people that are closest to you and the way the show is able to capture that there's nothing on air that could be anywhere close to as frightening as being able to accurately depict the terror that someone that has gone through domestic violence goes through and just how demoralizing it is and just how complicated and tricky it is to find an escape plan and to get out the cycle of abuse. So it is remarkable work. It is just spellbinding. It's just it, it's just extraordinary. I, I don't know what other adjectives I can use to describe how phenomenal this show is and I just assume that it's just going to continue to get better. As I said, I'm on episode 8. I'm leaving a lot out. I most likely will do a follow-up podcast and get into my feelings a lot more. Until then, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope that this episode gave you that final push if you haven't started watching Castaway Diva yet or if you had it in the back of your mind and say, you know, I'll get to it, get to it. If you can handle the trigger warnings, the content warnings, get to it sooner than later. It's phenomenal work. Anyways, that will be it for the episode today. I thank you for joining me. If you're watching this via YouTube, thank you so much. I appreciate you. If you're listening via Spotify, I really love and support you. Thank you so much. And until the next episode, please do share. Bye.